Hi, and welcome to Bible study with Bumi. And in today's Bible study, we're going to be talking about should Christians do deliverance? Um, if you know me well enough, you know that I'm always going to go into what does the scripture say on a topic. And the reason I wanted to talk about it is because there is a big deliverance movement in the body of Christ. There are many ministries, churches that are fully focused on deliverance. And many times when people think of deliverance, they're thinking of it in terms of I have some negative issues. I have some really difficult challenges. I have some negative patterns that has defied prayers, defied general prayers, defied fasting. And so people then start talking about needing deliverance, needing to be delivered and needing to experience deliverance. And so tonight and in this Bible study, I wanted us to talk about deliverance and should Christians do deliverance or what is God's take on deliverance or what does the Bible say about deliverance? So in terms of deliverance, People think of deliverance as almost like a last resort that they have tried everything else. And it must be that whatever this issue is, it has defied the conventional prayers. It has defied the general fasting. And so they think there must be some next level that brings about their deliverance, hence the word deliverance. And so the question that has always come up in my mind, especially in recent times, has been, should Christians do deliverance? Is deliverance a thing for Christians? And is it something that we should do? And then you have to, first of all, understand, obviously, where deliverance has come from. If you think of some of the instances in the Bible where deliverance took place, there is the story of one of the popular one of the popular scriptures is the story of the madman of Gadara or the Gadarenes, where this man was filled with demons and Jesus came. And when Jesus came, they, it talks about how this man couldn't be restrained. And then Jesus said to the demons inside of him, what's your name? The demons said Legion and all of that. And then Jesus drove the demons out of the man. And then the Bible tells us about how Jesus when he was dispatching his disciples, gave the instruction that we should um, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and you know cleanse the lepers. And so when we think of deliverance, we're probably thinking of some of these extremes, extreme situations, but because it is such a popular thing in Christendom, it is in our best interest to understand what deliverance is or should be doing and how to actually do deliverance and do it properly. And if you know me by now, you know that this Bible study will be a different take on deliverance. It will be a slightly different angle to the typical normal thought of deliverance. So one of the scriptures that um, comes to mind is the scripture of Jesus 
you know, encountering one man and the man talks about um, his son, that his son was ill and that he had come to the disciples and the disciples couldn't cast out the demon that was plaguing this child. And so by our standards today, we would say that child needed deliverance. And yes, Jesus did cast out the demon from that child. And if I even ask those who are in the room with me for this Bible study, that what do you think deliverance is? You probably will tell me that deliverance is about, you know, dealing with the enemy that has plagued you, dealing with um, the issues that you think might be standing in the way of your you enjoying the life that God has for you. And I hear you, but I'm finding out as I'm spending more and more time in the word of God that what is conventional, even within Christendom, isn't necessarily biblically accurate. And what do I mean by that? Every time we think of deliverance, we think of this places or these situations where you have to do 21 days fasting and prayer and you have to you know go for this long drawn out prayer sessions where people are sometimes praying in the spirit people are speaking words and all of that and it looks like there's all these theatrics but the thing is you and then you hear people going to deliverance ministries and saying no, I want to go to this man of God because they have power and they can help my situation they can do what I need, what I need done at this point in time. You know, I've I've heard all of it. And I've even been part of some of those experiences in the past where, you know, you're having certain challenges. They tell you that this man of God can help you. You go, it feels like you have some temporary relief. And then after some time, it feels like you're fighting another battle. You're fighting another demon and another issue in this area. And, you know, it then almost creates this cycle of, around and around where we get deliverance today it stops then we get deliverance again in another year year's time or in a few years time when another issue props up and then it stops and it just feels like in christendom today there is this constant constant revolving cycle of needing deliverance and how we need deliverance that the only way that we can um the only way we can deal with this issues is to go for deliverance prayers and I found a scripture I've heard two scriptures actually that I want us to look at tonight the first scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 61 but then it's reiterated again in Luke in the book of Luke so first of all let's read it in the book of Luke Luke chapter 4 verse is 16 Luke chapter 4 verses 16 and it says and he came to Nazareth I'm reading the King James version and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up this is talking about Jesus and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up um, and stood up for to read and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, which is Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. If you read it in the original version, it stays the same thing. If you read Isaiah chapter 61, it says the same thing where it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy, for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So when Jesus was reading the scripture in Luke chapter four, he literally was referring to the book of Isaiah, which is Isaiah 61. And he was saying to them that and there's a key word there that I think that is the word that struck me in relation to our topic tonight, which is about deliverance. And it was the word preach deliverance, meaning that deliverance is not a prayer. Deliverance is not a prayer. That's kind of what struck me that, wait, when Jesus read that scripture, he said, in verse 18, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to, to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. So if there's an issue that, in quotes, needs deliverance, it is not a prayer. It's a hearing of the word of God because preaching is to preach the word. But we've raised a generation of Christians who believe that deliverance is about prayer. And so you hear people saying, I went for deliverance prayers. And they think deliverance is an action. Whereas the scripture here tells us, the scripture that Jesus himself read was that for those who were held captive, that he would preach deliverance to the captives. He would preach and to preach is to speak the word, to speak the word of God. That the word of God is what produces deliverance. And some people might be like, yeah, but we read in Ephesians chapter six about how we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, you know, and let's go to Ephesians chapter six, because it's one of the scriptures that people use to talk about deliverance that you know we don't fight against flesh and blood that the bible tells us that we should be strong in the lord and it does say so if you read ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10 it says finally be strong in the lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of god so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes then he begins to break down what that armor is he says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against 
the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, meaning that it is your responsibility to stand your ground. It's not somebody else's responsibility to stand that ground for you. It says you have to stand your ground against these forms of wickedness, against these spiritual beings and entities. It says so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand it then says from verse 14 stand from then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist meaning one of the weapons you're going to need as a believer is truth and I'll come to that topic of truth. He says the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate is something that covers your chest. And what does it cover? It covers your heart. And literally righteousness is something that is imputed to us when we believe in Jesus Christ. And then he says with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, meaning you don't just need to preach the gospel or take on the gospel and be able to speak that gospel to other people. But he then says, take up the shield of faith, meaning you must believe. Faith is belief. And then with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Salvation is your covering. Salvation is the thing that covers you. And then it takes the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Nowhere does it tell us to pray. Nowhere in that list of things that we're supposed to use to fight the darkness that comes from the pits of hell. Nowhere does it tell us to pray. So where did we get the notion that deliverance is a prayer? Where did we get the mentality that deliverance is a prayer? When the word of God tells us accurately what we need to be able to stand against wickedness. Where? Where did we get it from? And the sad reality is that it is a message that is repeated from generation to generation, from person to person, from community to community. But do you know when Jesus said that if you're going to be delivered and deliverance is to do what? To deliver you so you can be what? Free, right? The essence of deliverance is so that you can receive freedom. If that is the essence of deliverance, and Jesus says that it is the word that is preached to you that delivers you, why are we going from pillar to post looking for people to do deliverance for us? Why? Where did we get that notion from? And today, the truth is that when you became a believer, when you came into the kingdom, the word of God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's a scripture I've quoted many times in Bible study, says to us in verse 17 that the old has passed away. The, we have become new. That new man, that spirit, they say is united with Christ and seated with Christ in heavenly places. What are you trying to deliver a person from when that person is already in heaven? Oh, but Bumi, I'm still seeing the realities of what you say I am delivered from, even though I'm a believer, but yet I'm seeing the realities. I'm seeing the things, I'm seeing things in my life. 
I'm experiencing certain circumstances and situations that show me that I'm not truly free. I know you say deliverance is about the word. Deliverance is not a prayer. But Bumi, I'm still having negative experiences at night when I sleep. My family is still experiencing generational patterns and all of that. Can I tell you, the reason you are experiencing it is because you have not yet known the truth. How do I know this? John 8.32, the book of John chapter 8 verse 32 tells us, It tells us, and this is Jesus talking. If you read from verse 31, he says, to the Jews who had believed him, that's to those who had become believers. You are a believer, right? So you could take this that Jesus was talking to you as well. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, he wasn't talking to the Pharisees. He wasn't talking to the crowds. He was talking to those who had believed him, who had believed his word, who had seen the signs and had believed in him. He then said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then, he then says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you do not know the truth, you will remain bound. Hence why you need to spend time in the word of God. Hence why Ephesians chapter 6 told us that we should take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So, should Christians do deliverance, we should not. We should instead take the word of God and begin to take it and meditate on it. Begin to accept that that word, that whatever the scriptures say is our reality. If the scripture says that I am seated far above principalities and powers, then why am I experiencing principalities and powers in my life? It's because I don't know and I don't believe that I'm far above them. I think they still have more power than God. One of the biggest revelations that helped me to understand the level of power that I carry as a believer is when I watched Superbook with my children once, where they were showing the battle between the devil, when the devil wanted to come and take over and sit on God's throne and the battle that took place in heaven when they were describing it. And they talked about, and they showed us the picture that was shown to us on the screen, showed that God did not get up from his throne. It was Angel Michael that kicked the devil out of heaven. And I thought to myself, that same God, the one who did not get up, who did not literally almost did not lift a finger, if you could put it like that, who sent his messengers, his ministering spirits and his angels who do the bidding of his word. He told them to kick the devil out. And then he, his spirit now rests inside of me. How dare the demons try to even, I tell people that I do not have a mentality that I can be attacked or that a demon can do anything to me. That I daily tell myself, Oh, as much as I can, I keep reminding myself that Christ is in me through the Holy Spirit, that I am seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. The truth that you know sets you free. I am telling you that I have had no negative experiences from the point I began to understand this. No negative experiences. 
Bome, but things are still happening. The reason things are still happening is because you don't know who you are and you don't know what you have and who you carry inside of you. There is nowhere in the New Testament after Jesus came where you see the disciples cast out a demon from a believer. Because demons and demons and the spirit of God cannot abide in the same place. You now carry the spirit of God. He ca you carry him on your inside. You carry him. You are united. Jesus kept saying, I and the Father are one. If he and the Father are one and you are united with Jesus, it means you and the Father are one. He said, and I will leave you the spirit. I will, I will send you a helper. And he will not just be with you. You know, sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is outside of us. We don't realize he's in us. And if he's in us, nobody else can abide in the same place. Like he does not share his space with demons. He does not share his space with all these negative connotations and all these negative influences. He doesn't. So if as a believer, you are still experiencing such, it is that you don't know the truth. I'm not sure if I've ever shared a testimony of a lady who said she used to have a spirit come and sleep with her in her dream. But then she began to understand who she was. She began to understand who she was. She understood that she was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that she and Christ are one. The minute she began to do this, one night, this entity showed up again and wanted to sleep with her. And this lady in her sleep started to say, because when you become aware, you're, it's not just something that you're aware of when you're awake. Even when you are sleeping, your spirit is still aware of what's who you are because you are now a bit more active. This is also why we pray in the spirit to stay sensitive, to stay heightened. As this entity showed up and she began to say, no, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Christ is my maker. He is my husband. He is the lover of my soul. I, and she began to declare what the scriptures say about her. The minute she started to do this, this entity began to bleed in front of her. And in an instant, the entity was gone. What changed? Nobody prayed for her. Nobody did deliverance for her. She put her head in the scriptures. She put her head in the word of God. Began to take on the word and say, this is my reality now. This is who I am. And the minute she began to do that, the minute she began to take that and believe it and confess it, her life changed. There are things that will automatically fall off you if you will spend time reading the word of God and meditating on the word of God. There are things that I don't, there are behaviors, just even character flaws that have literally stopped. And it wasn't that I prayed about them. What happened? I spent more time in the word of God. And the more time I spent in the word of God, the more I became like Christ, the less I was inclined to those things. So, 
If we come back to the original question, should Christians do deliverance? The answer is no, not in the sense of how deliverance is done today, no. You know, one of my other favorite scriptures that gives me a lot of peace is found in Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter three, it says in verse 13, Let me find it. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Like Christ has redeemed us. Christ has taken everything that was due to us. If there was a curse, it does not need deliverance because now that I'm in Christ, it is upon him. He has taken it all upon himself and given me freedom. He literally has paid for my freedom. He has set us free. And if we go back to the scripture that we read where Jesus himself declared in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, where he read the book of Isaiah, he said in verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Anything that we're looking for deliverance prayers for is because we want freedom. And then, you know, it says in verse 20, he says, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today is this fulfilled. This Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Meaning this was what Isaiah said. And what Isaiah said has now been fulfilled. I've done it all. It's not something I need to do again. It's something that's now readily available to you. And it is, you know, the King James Version says that he pre to preach deliverance, meaning that deliverance is not a prayer. Deliverance is a, wor a word working in you. The Bible tells us that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing. It can cut off things from you. That's what the word of God can do. So rather than running from pillar to post, looking for someone to deliver you from the issues that you might be going through, pick up the word of God. Find what it says about that situation. Find what it says about who you are. And then believe it and confess it until you see a change. And I guarantee that you will see a change because it has worked for thousands and millions of people. And your case is not different. Your case is not too hard for the word to work on. The word, which is the living word, Jesus written in written form can change you because Jesus in written form will get into your spirit so that Jesus, the spirit, will become stirred within you so that you can live life the way that God always intended for you to. So should Christians do deliverance? The answer is no. Christians should pick up their Bibles so that the truth that they know sets them free. I pray that as we have gone into the scriptures, I'm going to encourage you to come back, read these scriptures, read them for, your, for yourself, read them in various versions of the Bible. You know, 
Take them in, listen to them, pray with them, declare them. And I believe without a shadow of doubt that the word will change you. The word will transform you. The word will make you into who God said you are. God bless you and keep you. And thank you so much for joining Bible study.